Hi, I'm Mary B. Seyfried, and welcome to the Unsuitable Podcast. In episode five, you're going to hear from my friend Spencer Varney. He is a consultant. Uh, I met him at church where he's super involved, Um, but I got to know him when we both participated in the storytelling event at Langston Hughes' house. It was a really, really cool event. He's got a really great story, and I'm excited for y'all to hear it. Hi, Spencer. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mary B. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you being here um, and squeezing things in for to fit my schedule a little bit. I am, for those of you listening, going home for the holidays tomorrow. Um, so I'm really excited we got to record this before I leave. Yeah, no problem. It's actually a mini dream of mine to be on a podcast. So, really? Yeah. Yeah. I would I would have done a lot of a lot more actually. So you got off yeah. pretty easily. <laughs> or I got off pretty easily. I guess, yeah, you did. Um well I'm happy to be making your dreams come true here on the Unsuitable Podcast. Um let's let's dive right in, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Tell me about a time that you felt unsuitable. Yeah, one time I went all the way to Iowa to get dumped by a girl that I was dating. Yeah. I'm not from Iowa either. I've never been to Iowa. No. So it was not a place that I would find myself naturally. Um, Yeah, it was this girl that I met through some mutual friends here in New York. She was doing an internship here in her last semester of college, and we just met. And we're friends at first, and like kind of in the spring, probably like a couple months before she was set to leave, we started dating and just... Things just happened super quickly, probably developed like some emotional connections too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when she was planning to go home, you know, we talked about like, oh, hey, should we continue this? Should we keep going? And, you know, decided like, yeah, why not give it a shot? Like I travel a lot for work. You know, I can work remotely sometimes. So like there'll be time. We, I think we could figure it out. So she went back to Iowa. I stayed here in New York and... I think like in May, so like a couple of weeks after she had left, we had made plans for me to visit her. Mm-hmm. So I flew out on a Wednesday night and was going to stay through Monday, so leave Monday night. So it was like a five-day trip in mm-hmm. total. And on Saturday morning, she was just like, yeah, I don't know. This isn't really working for me. So I was <laughs> just like in Iowa. And yeah. I was staying at her family's house. It was like oh her graduation gosh. weekend. Yeah. And so, like, meeting her whole family, she has, like, four or five brothers and sisters, <laughs> just in their family's house, at her graduation party with her yeah. friends. Like, I don't know another soul in Iowa. Right. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And you're just like, trapped. What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing here? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was, as funny as it is now, like, at the time, it was like, like, oh, my God. Like, what? it was terrible. It was yeah. terrible. Because, yeah. like, as I said, it was super intense emotionally. Mm-hmm. And then you put so much on the line to like actually travel mm-hmm. and go see somebody, and then mm-hmm. you're in an environment that like you're super vulnerable because it's their space. Mm-hmm. And then to have that happen, like, which is maybe other than me getting like attacked, you mm-hmm. know, physically, right? It's like maybe one of the hardest emotional things that could happen. Yeah. So it was it was weird. And only like halfway through the trip, right? Yeah. 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 It was Saturday. I mean, we were like still there. Just hanging out. Yeah. that <laughs> The first conversation happened on Saturday. And then there was a follow-up conversation on oh, Sunday. okay, okay. That was like, yeah, no, I, I thought about it for a day, and I really am sure now that it's not working. And it's, you know, it was like the whole typical, like, 
it's not you, it's me. Like, right. you're amazing. Like, you've been so great. Right. But, like, there's just something in me that isn't ready for this. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay. And so I just had another 36 hours yep, to just be to, there. Just to hang out. I thought about, like, Monday morning or Sunday morning. thought about just, like, getting up and bolting. Like, mm-hmm. going to a hideout in a library or something yeah. for 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> changing my flight. But I just decided that... I decided that was the most graceful thing to do. So I figured I would just accept the hospitality as it was extended to me. And right. Like, just be pleasant and then get home as quickly as I could. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. That sounds super awkward. Super, I don't know, that out of place feeling where you're there with her whole family and then you no longer necessarily have a reason to be there, but you're still there. Yeah. And like her parents and brothers and sisters i mean every her parents and brothers and sisters and like sister's husband was there and it's like we're having this family dinner mm-hmm. and we're sitting around this table of i mean it's like 12 people and everybody knows what's happening yeah and i know that they know what's happening <laughs> but but nobody's talking we about are it. not in any way shape <laughs> or form going to talk about it in right. that public of a forum right and so we're just totally tiptoeing, like asking, like, oh, okay, what was something that happened this year that you were excited about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> this know. trip yeah. initially? Uh, no, not like, so much. <laughs> yeah, or like, tell me, you know, like, what about, what do you do? What's your hobby? Like, dude, I don't want to talk to you about my hobbies right now. Like, thank you. Just let me eat quietly. I won't butt in on your conversation. Just let me, like, give me, send me a, with a kitty table or something. Like right, a, right. Like, just give me out of here. Just let me exist in this yeah. space and please don't acknowledge my presence. I think perhaps the most awkward thing about, about that whole trip, mm-hmm. which says a lot, which says a lot, mm-hmm. is it was a super nice house and they had like a finished basketball court in their backyard. Wow. And I was super into basketball at the time. Mm-hmm. So, at one point on Saturday, she was like, she is like, so my friend's having this graduation party, and so we had already discussed previous to this of being like, I just feel like I'm along for the ride here. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. And she's like, so I'm going to my friend's graduation party, and like, I just, I don't know if, based on where we've been, I don't know if it makes sense for you to come, because like, I just, I'm going to be talking to all these people, and you know, running around meeting people. And I just don't want you to feel like out of place or along for the ride. So like, you know, you can do whatever you want, but like, I feel like it makes sense for you to stay here. And I was like, okay, awesome. So I just played basketball by myself for like six hours that day. (laughs) Like so much time. Yeah. Just, I flew out to Iowa and I'm playing basketball in this stranger's backyard (laughs) and her sister and her husband were there and would just like come out and check on me and be like, Hey man, are you doing okay back here? Like, do you need anything? (laughs) you're getting better like i've seen your shot get better in the last (laughs) two hours it was yeah so i i got back to new york and um yeah wish i should have that should have been like the last time that that relationship was explored but unfortunately there was some yeah backsliding but actually the backsliding was very short-lived right i did not go to iowa and it, we think we very quickly realized that that was not going to work out. And I had yeah. total closure after that. Yeah. So awkward situation, awkward follow-up, but right. solid closure. And God even just being like, hey, this is painful. and like, But you're going to learn a lot about yourself. Right. And right. 
I will give you, I will shut the door for you eventually. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's a great story. First of all, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. I mean, it's like, great's maybe not the best word to <laughs> use because I'm sure it was very painful and, but retrospectively, um, it's very, that feeling, um, it's very relatable, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome. I think it's hilarious. Okay, like, well, that's I'm, good. I look back on it fondly now, and I really enjoyed, like, dusting it off the shelf and being like, well, listen to, like... Listen to my unsuitable yeah. moment. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, so that was a story about a dating relationship. Could you kind of segue into uh, talking about a significant relationship from your life? Friendship, family, dating? Yeah, my little sister is if not the closest person to me in my life, like one of the top, top three for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, so I'm 26 and she's 20. Mm-hmm. So there's a pretty significant age difference, but it's been really cool to see us get closer in life mm-hmm. as she gets older and I get older. Right. Like the age gap isn't as noticeable. So I see her become more of a human being and mm. not, not that she wasn't before, but more uh, of an adult. Uh, yeah. It's debatable. Yeah. I it, wasn't much of a human being when I was, you know, pre-20, so. It takes a lot for somebody <laughs> to reflect on that and admit that, Mary. <laughs> yeah. Well, what can I say? And it didn't used to be that way. We, like, we were close. We've always loved each other, but for some reason there was always, like, the type of disconnect. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was perceived. But she came to visit me in New York when I was, like, it was, like, three years ago. So I was mm-hmm. 23 she was 17. She was about mm-hmm. to go off to college. or And she had never really visited me on her own. She'd been up with my parents a couple of times. But, you know, we spent this long weekend together. She came up. And I'm a super extroverted person. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of energy and excited. I get excited from having people around me and meeting mm-hmm. new people. And she is almost the exact opposite mm-hmm. where... She wants to have very in-depth and meaningful interaction with mm-hmm. a person, right? Maybe a couple people. Right. And, so, and so, like in my excitement, we went to church, and I invited like everybody from my church, friends, acquaintances, friends right. of friends, to this dinner. And I didn't. I forgot to tell her. I was like, "Oh, maybe she won't like love this as much as I'm going to love it." <laughs> right. So I told her on the way there, I was like, oh, by the way, we're going to dinner and there's going to be like 25 people there. And she was like, dude, you are going to kill me. That's not enough time no. experimentally. <laughs> no, she, but yeah. she handled it with, she handled it well. She did a good job. Yeah. She spoke, she picked like two or three of my friends and really just found a niche yeah. talking to them. Yeah. So she did a good job. Yeah. And then after dinner, you know, I'm like flying high and we go home and we're on the way, we're in a cab back home and she just starts crying and I'm like Noel what's going on like why are you crying and she's like trying to hide it like not really saying what's going on or mm-hmm. you know trying to hide her face and trying to stop crying she's like no 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 it's nothing it's nothing so I'm like no come on it's okay what like what's the matter and she said I can't help but feeling sometimes that you don't want me around. Hmm. And I just was so almost shocked because that wasn't, that's not true at all about how I feel. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, like I want her around all the time. Mm-hmm. 
you know, there's not a situation that I would ever be in that's that I would think I don't want Noel here. Mm-hmm. And so we finally got home. We talked a little bit more about it. And she just told me that when I was younger, a lot of my behavior, you know, whether it was just like being super brash or teasing her too much or just not being in con- good control of my own emotions if I was mm-hmm. upset at my parents or school or something and mm-hmm. just taking it out on her. She just said, yeah, I just, I have always wanted to spend time with you. And sometimes you just like, feels like you don't want me there. Mm-hmm. And I just at that moment I had like the scale totally lifted off my eyes mm-hmm. and just saw really how terrible I was to her mm-hmm. um, for, I mean, years. And yeah, we both just started crying. Mm-hmm. We were both just sitting on my living room couch. And I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like, I can't believe that I did that and I didn't see that. And she just forgave me so, on, I mean, on the spot, mm-hmm. so quickly, didn't need to talk about it anymore, hasn't brought it up. Mm-hmm. I've brought it up a couple of times just right. to circle back to it and make sure everything's okay, but... Mm-hmm. I just can't believe how much grace she was able to give me and how quickly she was able to forgive me and still say, you're my big brother. I like, I love you and I adore you. And mm. yeah. So seeing that and just have like recognizing how much she loves me, and how much she's willing to forgive me has made us so much closer. And even as she's gotten older because of that, I've always been somebody that has given her advice in certain situations and wanted to, be the one like kind of a shoulder for her to lean on and cry on but and actually the last like six months have been super hard for me in certain relationships with friendships and mm-hmm. work relationships and she has been somebody actually that I've gone to and said no I seriously I feel like people that I know are taking crazy pills I don't know what to do mm. you know and she's been somebody that I've been able to talk to which is a really awesome transition and mm. yeah. it's so nice to see that relationship going both ways now mm-hmm. and yeah yeah that's really great. I'm um, impressed that she kind of had the courage to confront you about that if she was, like, feeling distant from you to begin with, to, like, feel, I don't know, yeah, to have the courage and, and the vulnerability to be able to, to have that conversation even mm-hmm. as a 17-year-old. Yeah, one thing about Noelle is that she is emotionally mature beyond what I would expect any young girl to be. I think maybe everybody says that about their family if they're super fond of them, but I think actually that's true. Mm-hmm. She sometimes sees and understands things that are beyond my understanding. Mm. So I'm super proud of her. Noel, if you listen to this, I love you. <laughs> you should send it to her. She can oh, listen yeah, I am to in control of whether or not she listens to, to it. All of the episodes, maybe. All of and the unsuitable. And then the future ones, and maybe subscribe and rate and review. Anyone who's listening can do that. Anywhere you get your podcast, um, by the way. <laughs> Shameless plug. Um, yeah, you kind of talked about, um, when you were talking about your relationship with your sister, kind of earlier in your life, some kind of rough moments that you had. Um, would you mind taking us through your faith journey? Yeah, so my family, we are Christians, we grew up going to church, and I think even as a little kid, maybe three or four or five, I've heard this secondhand, that I did accept Jesus, and I do remember early in my life 
believing in Jesus mm-hmm. and actually believing it and not just repeating what mm-hmm. the church says or adults say. Mm-hmm. But kind of quickly thereafter, I just rem- never remember ever feeling comfortable in church, mm-hmm. whether it's in youth group or with kids my age in church. It was just something didn't seem right. And I think a lot of it was probably due to my own insecurity of just not mm-hmm. being comfortable with myself and mm-hmm. not feeling assured in who I was and whether or not I had a place there. Yeah. But I also think that sometimes youth group culture can be really weird. Yes. <laughs> you know, I just saw a lot of the same kids that weren't super kind to me mm-hmm. in school. I saw the same characteristics in the kids at church, mm-hmm. yeah. but they were celebrated by not those behaviors, but the kids themselves were right. celebrated by youth pastors right. or other things. And so when I was like 12, I started playing travel hockey super competitively. And that was taking us to a lot of different towns on the weekends where I wasn't really going to church. And so at that same time, kind of coincided with me not really thinking that maybe God and Jesus like aren't something that you should give your whole life to. Maybe it's just a nice thing, but it's really hard for me to believe Mm-hmm. And when I was 13, I started drinking and 14 started experimenting, like started smoking weed and wanted to just pursue partying and mm-hmm. all throughout high school. So, yeah. you know, I had church on one hand and I had all this other stuff that in my mind was objectively a lot more fun and right. getting me into places that I wanted to be as far as friend groups and right, right. feeling cool. So I was like, yeah, that's, I'm going to choose that. And... Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the story of my high school, like 17, 18, and even as I'll get into it a little bit longer in my adulthood of just like kind of going back and forth between feeling like I I know that there's something, but not wanting to address it, being kind of afraid of it, Mm -hmm. and wanting to choose like a more exciting and more attractive lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So when I was 18, kind of fast forward a little bit, I moved up to D.C. to play a little bit more competitive level of hockey trying to advance myself into a you know more competitive level of college eventually and so when I was growing up I had always put on this facade of being confident and comfortable and the man and you know I'm awesome I can do whatever and so I get up there and I was living by myself well I shouldn't say I was living by myself I was living with a family that had taken me in Mm -hmm. but they are both of the adults worked and their son was like a 26-year-old who also worked. So I spent a ton of time by myself mm-hmm. and didn't have a super, super close community of friends with my hockey team. The rink was like two hours away. Mm-hmm. And the community colleges that I was going to were just not emotionally or intellectually stimulating. So mm-hmm. I was just alone. And, you know, it's funny because for the first few weeks, I tried to continue to put on that facade of, I'm the man, I'm super cool. Mm -hmm. And then you just realize, I just realized that, you know, there's not anybody for me to put this on for. So the Mm -hmm. only person that you're really doing this for is yourself. Right. And very quickly realized that I was lying to myself. And Mm -hmm. that was also not a super fun realization to come to. So Mm -hmm. I'm just up there and I'm super alone and not real happy with my decisions, but trying to carry on and just keep playing hockey. And so the, son of the family that was staying with me would come home so he would work like nine to five and he would come home and 
he was really the only friend that I had gotten or developed. And so what we would do together is he would just come home at five and by, you know, seven, eight o'clock, we would just hang out and play video games and smoke weed. Or I would go to practice mm-hmm. and then he would come home and I would come home from practice and smoke weed with him and his friends and play video games. And it was just this cycle of, that was the only thing that was there for me to do. Mm-hmm. And it was such a, ha- it was a habit that I had had in high school and it was something that was easy for me that I actually enjoyed. But after a little while, I started to have these really bad panic or anxiety attacks mm-hmm. when I would get high and have these really crazy like auditory hallucinations and mm-hmm. like hear crazy sounds or voices or something and would close my, like when I would try to go to bed, I would have really intense closed eye visuals that were like, would just cause me so much anxiety and stress. And I would, yeah. it got to this point where I wanted to stop, but I just couldn't say no whenever it came to me. And I don't know if it was because that was the only community that I had had. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was really stressing me out. And that went on for a couple of months. And so over, it was like in October or November of that f- year, I'd only been up there for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. I went home and had stayed the night at a friend's house and had had the same experience of just, we had smoked right before bed and I was like, in this total state of like anxiety and almost like paralysis. I'm just like, what is happening? Um, Mm -hmm. And I finally, at this same point had been in my life leading up to it was saying, maybe like, who is God and who is Jesus? And why are these things that are important to so many people? I just don't understand them. So I had Mm -hmm. been asking a lot of questions in that sense too. So my anxiety and paranoia kind of came to head with, me also asking these questions about who is God, what is religion, what is Christianity. And so I remember just laying down that night at like three in the morning finally <clears throat> and saying, all right, God, you know what? If you're real, Jesus, if you're real and you're who you say you are, then I need your help because yeah. I can't do this anymore. And so I think the next day I ended up going to church mm-hmm. and I hadn't been to that church in a few months. So it wasn't like the Anybody there really knew me super well or knew what was going on. Small Mm -hmm. church. uh, I'm, like, in the back row, kind of falling asleep, ready to leave. Right. And, like, almost at the end of the sermon, this pastor just walks up to me and just looks at me and says, if you let it go, if you put it down, you're going to feel a lot better. And he had just been yelling about, he's a super loud guy. Yeah. But he's just been yelling (laughs) about sin and death and... Yeah. Just walks up to me and looks me right in the eye and points at me. If you let it go, you're going to feel a lot better. Wow. It's like, oh my God, I got to get out of here. (laughs) I got to leave this (laughs) building ASAP. Yeah. Yeah. So church wraps up and I just, I mean, I bolt Mm -hmm. to the car. My parents are like, are you okay? I'm trying to get the car door open. The car door is not working. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to put my seatbelt on. I can't get my seatbelt to work on. Can't get the door to close. My whole family is looking at me like, are you, what is wrong with you? (laughs) And all of a sudden I'm just like, I gotta go back inside. (laughs) So I just reversed the whole process that I had just spent like a minute doing, run back inside and just look at my pastor and he would just turns around and he just points right to the cross. And I went and fell down and cried for probably Mm -hmm. an hour. And that was like my very first real experience with Jesus Hmm. where I just felt the weight of all of everything that I was doing, all my sinfulness, my distance and separation from him, my denial of him. And 
yeah, it was really a lot, but I came out and went back outside and I mean, the trees were greener, mm -hmm. the sky was bluer, the air was fresher, mm -hmm. my steps were lighter and it was just so much, so refreshing mm -hmm. and so comforting to just know that Jesus is real and that he was there for me, mm -hmm. just waiting for me to come to him. So I told my parents what was going on. I didn't, I never told them cause I was super worried that they were going like, to cut me off or something. So I told them, and I was like, you know, if you guys need to cut me off, I understand. Like, I'll get a job. And they're like, we're not going to kick you. We're not going to cut you off. Like, come mm -hmm. on. It's fine. But, like, are you going to be healthy to go back in this environment? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, actually, I, I feel okay. Mm -hmm. And so I went back up there, and I was, and it's crazy. I was done. I, like, didn't smoke weed again at all while I was living up there. I didn't do it again for another several years until I was in a later stage in life when I probably shouldn't have anyway, but it wasn't a, much of a problem. Mm -hmm. And so I wish that following that experience with Jesus, I had just given my life and said, yeah, Jesus, I'm yours. I want to be your disciple. Mm -hmm. But I didn't. I went back up there and didn't have any, I didn't really put myself in a position where roots would take hold. Mm -hmm. So I continued to just be kind of alone, mm -hmm. still hung out with that same group of friends, but just said, no, I'm not going to do this particular behavior anymore as far as smoking weed and mm -hmm. Basically, didn't make any other changes in my life other than knowing in the back of my head that Jesus was there as a kind of a safeguard if I ever needed one. Mm -hmm. And so a year later, I ended up going to NYU and came to New York and had this total explosion of this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Found my confidence, found my stride, mm -hmm. found friends, was playing hockey. It was basically living my best extrovert life in New York. Yeah. But I would still have these crazy up and down cycles of, you know, everything's going perfectly. Mm -hmm. And then it would all come crashing down. And when it would all come crashing down, I would always call my mom and be like, Mom, my life's a mess. And she's, she would just be like, buddy, your life is not a mess. It's fine. Like, mm -hmm. just, I'm just going to pray with you. Mm -hmm. And that would always kind of get me right. And so I noticed these cycles started becoming more and more frequent. Like the highs were not as high, but the lows were still as low. And they were more often. Mm -hmm. So at a certain point, I think maybe I was 20. It was my junior year. Mm -hmm. I was just like, this has gone on for too long. Like, I need to actually figure this out. So I had, I think it was this one afternoon, I had just gotten fired from my job at the gym. Mm -hmm. Also, looking back on all this stuff, it's just it's so, so much of this stuff is so insignificant. Right. And yet at the time, it had so much value. Like, it mm -hmm. just so doesn't matter. Yeah. Wisdom for future Spencer. It's <laughs> a takeaway. Yeah, I had just gotten fired from my job at the gym. Like, my financial aid wasn't going through. Mm -hmm. I didn't have classes picked. Like, I, yeah, it was just so many little things. And, but I, the, all of them culminated to me not be feeling like my life was a sham. Mm -hmm. So I found this. There's a chapel on NYU's campus. Mm -hmm. I found it and had another one of these come to Jesus moments where mm -hmm. I cr cry all extravagantly in front of the cross and mm -hmm. have this big experience. Mm -hmm. And there was a student missionary from a Catholic student missionary group in there. And I can only imagine him just being so excited <laughs> to see a weeping NYU man walk <laughs> yeah, in to right. the chat, just like rubbing his hands together, like licking his lips, like Mr. Burns. Yeah. Yes, come inside. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, hey, man, like, what's going on? Like, let's, here's my number. Let's talk. And he invited me to a Bible study, like a men's Bible study. 
And so I started going to that pretty regularly and I did that for two years while I was at NYU and it was the first time that I had ever had anybody tell me that God is not who I make him out to be. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is not somebody who's just is there when you want him to be, but is somebody who you have to work hard to get to know and to follow mm-hmm. and who's always there for you, but is just not who you make him out to be. Mm-hmm. It's completely defined by himself. And there's yeah. things that you have to do to get behind that and to learn that. And so it was just this really exciting two years of like, I learned to pray, I read mm-hmm. the Bible, you know, on my own for maybe like the first time in a long time. I had people that were kind of in my life that were also trying to kind of figure out God and try to like live a Christian lifestyle in New York. Mm-hmm. Not that I was, but it was nice to be around. It was really good for me to be around those things. Mm-hmm. And so at the time I even was just like, I was started calling myself a Christian, started telling people about the Bible study. And, you know, through that more and more, I started to just really experience this dissonance of, okay, well, these are the things that you're saying and that you're learning about and you're telling people that you're a Christian, but on this other hand, you're still like drinking and partying. Like you're still having premarital sex. Like you're still, like I'm still using, like I'm using drugs recreationally. Mm -hmm. And I was having this really major identity crisis between what I was learning about and what I was really striving towards Mm -hmm. in God and Jesus, but also this life that I was so attached to. And so I would say slowly over the last two years of NYU, you know, idols started to kind of get chipped away at Mm -hmm. as far as like I kind of stopped using drugs. I stopped really, I really tried stopping like, you know, binge drinking, really tried to cut back on all that stuff. Um, And so I graduated college, was going to live in New York permanently and decided, you know what, I think it's time to take kind of the next step in this faith journey. So I started praying and looking for churches and God kind of in his way led me to Redeemer. Mm -hmm. I started going to Redeemer and again, even more just getting into Redeemer and being around the word, you know, it was like sneak in, sit in the back row and leave, but just being in there and hearing the word preached and worshiping was just slowly more and more pulling me away from the identity of sinfulness and Mm -hmm. putting, dragging me into really the -hmm. identity of Christ. And Mm -hmm. in January, I joined a community group and like, I think like three weeks later was this moment where I just woke up one day and was like, man, you're just like, you're lying to yourself. You're either going to be done with Christianity. You're going to be done with Jesus, or you're going to give your life to this. And like the very last idol for me to fall, I had actually been dating this girl for like two years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we were super into each other. I really liked her. You know, we were telling each other that we love each other and were sexually active. And I remember for like a while feeling like, man, like I really don't want to not have sex anymore. Right. But I think it's like, I can't reconcile that desire in my flesh from what I feel like the Bible says and what God's telling me. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, I was like, okay, like you need to pick one or the other because you're living, you can't keep going in this duplicitous lifestyle anymore. Yeah. I just remember I was like, all right, God, like this is it. Like I'm going to give that up and you have my life. And it was like February, 2015. 
no, February 2016. So almost three years ago now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it has just been a total, oh my gosh, roller coaster ride of amazingness where yeah. God has shown me so much more about myself, like who I am as a person, who more about who he is and how amazing his grace and mercy and salvation is and how his spirit works in community and works through the church and through sacrifice and through so many ways that we possibly couldn't understand. And it's been so amazing. I mean, that relationship ended very shortly thereafter, but which is something that I was super afraid of. And yet I look back on it now. I just see that absolutely. It was like God picking me up and being like, I have better things in store hmm. for you. Yeah. yeah. It's been such a good ride. Yeah. I wish, I just wish though that, I had listened to the call when I was 18, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I could have saved myself six years of pain and misery. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. You wouldn't be the same, right? If you no. wouldn't be the same person if you hadn't gone through all that. You wouldn't know God in the same way if you hadn't like had those ups and downs, I think. I mean, I don't know. No, you're, I mean, you're right. <laughs> you're right. That was a total... Baby thing to say. I mean, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty and all that. Yeah. So, um, are you still part of that same community group? I am. Yeah, I am part of that, which has been together for three years, and it's almost exclusively the same people, which is pretty amazing here That's in New York. Very rare. Yeah. Yeah. I would say we only have like a ten to fifteen percent attrition rate. Wow. Which is amazing. And then I started my own community group uh, two years ago. Okay. So I have the one that I meet that I'm a participant of, and then I have one that I lead with my friend. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing all of that. It was really honest. Um, I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. I don't really have much to add except to <laughs> ask... Um, if you would tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great right now. One thing that's hard is figuring out what to do when I grow up. Mm-hmm. I've been, I'm using air quotes, an adult for <laughs> three and a half years now. I've had a job and right. been plugging away. And I like my job. I started coaching a hockey team mm-hmm. two years ago. It's so my third season. I really like that. Uh, I'm the type of person I do a lot of things, but I try not to dive super super deep into any one thing mm -hmm. so I like to just have multiple balls in the air in my life it makes mm -hmm. me feel like I get validation from that mm -hmm. from myself and from others but I'm really feeling like it's time for me to put some things down and maybe try to pick something new up so I've been doing a lot of volunteering and community work over the last like 10 months I've been committed to work work with a couple of organizations specifically that I really, really enjoy. And mm -hmm. so I'm hoping, I guess I should say considering that idea of like, this is kind of where my heart is going. So just trying to figure out what does the next step of my life look like? Mm -hmm. Can it be around you know, like vocationally serving or is that something that should be like my primary extracurricular activity? Mm -hmm. So it's, kind of, it's just been challenging to think through, you know, calling is such a strange word. Mm -hmm. It's so ethereal. Mm -hmm. uh, but also just what do I want to do? Am I willing to, how much am I willing to sacrifice the level of comfort that I currently have? Yeah, I don't know. So that's kind of hard. 
Um, what is going well? I'm gonna, can I share two things if I do yes. half the time? You for can each share. One? No, you can share two things as much as you want about each thing. I mean, not like 45 minutes, but. So yeah. 44 minutes. 44 and a half minutes, yeah. Okay. That's your cap. One thing, so I've been, I, I traveled, I tra- I'm a consultant, so I travel for work. Mm-hmm. And th- it's like peaks and valleys, it's not every week. But this summer, I traveled every single week to Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't taking very good care of myself. I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating right, I wasn't exercising. And I stopped that engagement in September. And so since then, I've been super hard on a fitness and diet kick so much that I like weigh out everything that I eat. Like mm-hmm. I have a food scale that I carry around with me. Mm-hmm. My friends think I'm crazy, mm-hmm. but I've lost a ton of weight. I mm-hmm. feel so much better about myself. I'm sleeping well, yeah. I'm eating healthy food or trying, and it just feels really nice to take care of myself. Yeah. So that's going really well. Um, and then the other thing is I actually have started dating somebody recently, uh, probably within the last like month. Okay. And she's been a friend of mine for like two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're trying to, I tried to make the transition out of friend zone to dating zone. And it's just been super fun. Like nice. been really nice to not be anxious and nervous mm-hmm. about dating because mm-hmm. that's something that would be easy for me because of a lot of the places that I've came from. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just really cool to have somebody that I'm super close with good friends with and trying to just kind of get to know them a little better and Mm -hmm. take a more intentional step. So yeah, that's been really fun too. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on the show. It's really great having you. Yeah. Thank you, Mary B. Cool. Really fun. Thanks for making my podcast dream come true. You're welcome. I do what I can. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Spencer for being on the show. Thanks to Chad Rawlinson, as usual, for sound editing and for the theme music. Shout out to Rachel Scola and Kat Skill for your reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you're enjoying these episodes, please head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review. As always, if you know someone who should absolutely be on the Unsuitable Podcast, head over to my website, marybsaferit.com, and shoot me a message. That's all for now.